is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 180, recorded on Monday, October the 20th, 2014. It's our turnaround episode. What does that mean? 180. 180 degrees, uh-huh. turn around, away. There, there you go, 180 degrees. That's right. We're going to start counting back to one from here. Yeah, that's right. Well, we, yeah, we've turned all the way around now. Well, not all the way around, halfway around. We're going the, the other way. Definitely going the other way. So we'll yeah. count back down to one, and then we'll get to one, and then start counting back up again. Well, no, we got to get all the way to 360 so that we turn all the way around. All right. Well, in that case, we will hit 200 before the end of season five. That's exciting. That is exciting. Can you imagine, like, think of five years ago, if had you been sitting there and I would have said to you, you know, we're going to do 200 episodes of this podcast, or at least 180, what would you have said to me? That's dumb. <laughs> There's no way we're gonna. that's going to ever happen. There's no way. Who would listen to us blabber on for that <laughs> long? Heck, I don't even want to listen to us for that long. That's crazy. Well, here we are at number 180, and uh, we are going strong towards 200 and beyond, because... Season six is coming. Boy, howdy. And we're going to stick around for that. Yep. Well, one thing to to tell you all, tell y'all before we get into our recap of season five, episode two, and that is an update on the toll-free phone number situation. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. We are not getting rid of the phone number, which I said we would be a couple episodes ago. I have had a change of heart. However, there is a change taking place. And that is that the number is changing. Now, it's not changing by very much, which is nice. It's only changing by two digits, and they're really easy digits to remember. It's one of the... Are they two of the ten digits that we already know? It, it is two of the ten digits we already know. Sweet. So it should be really easy to remember. Our old phone number was one 483 9662 and if you've been paying attention, 9662 on an old-style telephone keypad spells Z-O-M-B. Mm-hmm. The only part that's changing is the 866 part. We are going to 844. So the new number is 1-844-483-9662. That number again is 1-844-483-Z-O-M-B. Now, the reason for this change is kind of, um, well, it's entirely because of AMC's show, Talking Dead. What seems to happen ever since they launched is that uh, people go looking for their phone number to try and call while that show is on, and they find us. And our old phone number was out there in the wild. It was on the website. It was on our Facebook page. It was all over the place. So they start calling us thinking we're AMC. And I don't really feel too good about this because, frankly, we had the name and the phone number long before the AMC show came around, so I don't think it's fair that we have to suffer because they came along three years after us. However, unfortunately, they're not going to (laughs) change, so we have to. (laughs) Right. Here's the deal, though. This new number, 1-844-483-9662, I am not going to publish this number anywhere on the internet. This is the new secret zombie line for all you folks to call in. But to get the number, you have to listen to this podcast. That's awesome. I like having a secret phone number. Well, you do. You, uh, there's a, now a secret phone number that people can call and leave messages for you 
and me. Don't worry, we never answer the phone. It is strictly a voicemail line, but it is toll-free. So you can call anywhere in the States or Canada or, I think, around the world and not pay a thing for that call and leave us a message. But it's like having a secret decoder ring. We should send out secret decoder rings and then give out secret messages every episode, just like Little Orphan Annie in uh, Christmas Story. Well, Little Orphan Annie in Christmas Story? Yeah, Christmas Story. Ralphie got a secret decoder ring from uh, the radio oh. show, or Little Orphan Annie. Okay. And he decoded it, and it said, drink your Ovaltine. Right, right, right. And it was a crummy commercial. That's right. I thought you were mixing your, your 1980s movies. All oh, Christmas Story was before the 80s, wasn't it? No, it was in the 80s. It's just it took place in the 30s. Okay, there you go. Anyhow, I thought you were mixing your movies, but you're not. You're correct. That was right out of Christmas Story. It's a good movie. Yeah. Anyhow, the secret code for this episode, one 483 That is our new phone number. Use that moving forward. The 866 number will be going away very soon. So if you want to sneak one into that number, you can still for the next week or two. But after that, it'll be gone. And the 844 number won't won't be published on the internet anywhere. you got to listen to get it. So only you, very special people who listen to this, will get that number and can give us a call anytime you want. Yeah, and you can't even click on it because it's audio. You have to write it down. Or I was going to say program it into your phone. That way when you're walking around, you're on your way to the bus, you're, you know cleaning your house and thought comes into your head, you just whip out your phone. We're on speed dial. You can speed dial us and uh, tell us what you're thinking. We can even get butt dials every now and again. We can get a butt dial. Yeah, why not? Give us, <laughs> give us a pocket dial. <laughs> so, secret phone number for listeners, one 483 9662 If I can say it one more time, so it's, you know, ingrained into your brain. Sing, and, it, sing uh, it as a song. What? Sing it as a song. No, I don't have a song for it. Do a jingle, man. Come on. I'm not a jingle guy. You're the, you're the jingle man here. I am not a jingle man. All right. Well, <laughs> somebody, if, if you want to make up a jingle for our song, by all means, go right ahead. The 866 number is going away. Thank you, uh, AMC. All right, Jason. It is time. Without further ado, let's jump right into our recap of Season 5, Episode 2. Awesome. Strangers. All right. Thank you for reading our episode title, Siri. That was very nice of you this week. It was nice. She I called in with that. Yeah. That's right. She dialed in. Called in. I should say that if you are listening and, and you want to read the episode title uh, of, an, of a future episode to just be our, our one-time voiceover person, please, by all means, do so. Record yourself, send it in by email, or hell, even call the phone line and do it. Do a couple of takes if you want. I'll use one that I think is funny or good or just generally entertaining. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. Anyhow, let's get into it. So we open this episode and we see smoke rising from Terminus in the distance over the nice lush forest of the Georgia countryside. <clears throat> and we get some slow-mo shots of the group walking up a highway. Now, there are some scenes intercut with this to sort of, sort of get us up to date on what's happened in the last 12 hours or so. So we see things like uh, Glenn and Maggie, they, they kiss, they you know are happy together again, and Tara's there looking on. And then we have a little quick conversation between Rick and Tara, and he's Rick's kind of making sure that she wants to be there and that everything is all cool because she, of course, was with the governor when he attacked right. the prison. Yep. Um, and, and I did like how Rick acknowledged the fact that he spoke to her when he was standing there trying to negotiate with the governor. He said, I could tell you didn't want to be with him. That's why I spoke to you. 
Right. It took me um, a second viewing to sort of pick up on that. I wasn't at first. I wasn't quite sure. What does he mean? He spoke to her. I'm like, oh yeah, way back last season, he said, "You, you know, you don't want to be here. Do you think this is okay?" Kind of thing. Right. 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 I thought that was really really cool. Yeah, that's uh, cool. And then and then they fist bump, which was. I thought it was sort of a little silly. We went from cool to a bit silly, but what are you going to do? It was a fist bump. Well, uh, you know, and that prompted me to look up the history of the fist bump because really was the fist bump popular at the time of the zombie outbreak in this show? I'm pretty sure the fist bump has been popular for a long time. The answer is yes, of course it was. Okay. <laughs> so in case you're wondering, it uh, it harkens back to the, uh, the, the 1800s. Well, there you go. Was it invented as a way to spread less germs from handshaking? I doubt it. I think uh, there's reference to uh, Wonder Twins' po- Wonder Twins' power activating. Oh, okay. And <laughs> uh, motorcyclists would oh. do it uh, when they're at traffic lights. They would fist bump each other. They just wanted to be cool. Well, they didn't have time to do a proper handshake, and you didn't want to be tethered to the a motorcycle next to you just in case somebody took off or whatever. But you do a fist bump that way. You know, there's no chance of the other guy hanging on and screwing up your ride. Well, and think about it, too. If it's a right-handed handshake, one guy always has to reach across, and you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Fist bump. So you'd have to, you'd have to do an upside-down handshake with the left hand, but so fist bump is way better. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fist bump, fine. I was going to call them out for being, uh, you know, wait, you know, not doing it properly because if there was a timing issue, then... Uh, you know, I was going to call them out, but I was way wrong. Right. Okay. Well, who knew we'd get the origin of the fist bump from watching The Walking Dead? Yeah. That, you know, motorcycle is not from the 1800s. That's from the 1940s. Sure. Sure. That's fine. <laughs> Somebody wants to write in and say, hey, buddy, there weren't a- a motorcycles in the 1800s. Uh, there were hardly bicycles <laughs> in the 1800s. <laughs> well, there were bicycles. <laughs> All right. Um, next, we get Tyrese and Carol, now they're at a stream gathering some water, and they talk about telling the people at the prison uh, what Carol, or sorry, telling the people what Carol did at the prison, and Therese thinks they can tell everyone and they'll just accept it. Um, but she says no, and Therese says at this point they have to accept it because, you know, you're back with us now. And but on the other hand, Tyrese doesn't want to mention that what she had to do to the girls because he says, I need to forget about that. Yeah, forgetting is a very important part of getting past something. But but you you can't forget anything. So, yeah, but he's kind of like, you know, we should tell everyone, you know, what happened in this one instance because I think it's okay now. But let's not talk about the other thing because it's too upsetting for me. He's a bit of a hypocrite here. A little bit. You know, I, I think if you, you either have to be completely open and honest or or keep things bottled up inside, and that never seems to work out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, we go, they're, uh, they're in the forest. A, uh, a zombie comes out, and Michonne goes to kill it. She reaches for her sword, but she doesn't have it. She doesn't have it. I was a little... So we know, we know, uh, we know the answer to that. You know, we were, there was a bit of a question as to whether or not she had her sword. Mm-hmm. It's definitively answered now. She does not have her sword. No, definitely does not have a sword. So instead, she butt ends the zombie with the rifle. She seems to be carrying the giant rifle that Carol had on her in her assault on Terminus now. Right. Well, that, that's fair. Yeah, and it does a fine job of taking out that zombie. We go to uh, they're they're now around a fire at night, so I guess they're camping for the night. And Rick tells Carol that he owes her everything. Um, 
And uh, but she says no, she wasn't there. You know, he owes Tyrese, who was at the prison, things like that. And uh, she gives his watch back. She gives Rick his watch back. And of course, Carol then refuses her watch from Rick. What do you think, you know, that symbolized? Was she just sort of saying, no, I'm not going back to the past here. I'm just moving forward. And, you know, I'm not that good a person. I'm just sort of doing what I have to do. I guess it could. I didn't really read any symbolism into it necessarily. She just doesn't want her watch. Yeah, she's just like, well, you gave me your watch. Here, here's a watch. <laughs> I don't need to know what time it is anymore. It really is well, you Really, you don't need to know what time it is. You know, when you're hungry, you eat. When you're tired, you sleep. When there's zombies, you kill them. And otherwise, run. Don't you think, though, that it to a certain degree, this is a whole other conversation maybe, it's important to try and maintain time or maintain to whatever degree you can your time-based routine, even in this kind of situation? Absolutely not. No? Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that we're trying to, we as a society in the Northern Hemisphere, way up north in uh, up here in Toronto, when the sun sets at 630, uh, the fact that we're trying to stay up to the same um, same time and get up at the same time. We go to bed in the dark, we get up in the dark now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, unnatural. Like it, it screws up our uh, our natural rhythms. We should go to sleep when the sun goes down and get up when the sun comes up. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's during the summer there is a lot less. Well, that means you'd be sleeping a lot more in the winter and a lot less in the dark in the northern hemisphere in the in the uh, summer, right? In the northern hemisphere. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm it's- sleepy in the winter. <laughs> like a bear, I like to hibernate. Just get in there, cozy on up, and crawl into my cave full of leaves. Good yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but that's not how real the real world works, and that's no, not, of course not. That's not our but fault. I, I think that if if uh, they have you know if they're living off the land and they're living outdoors, I think they should follow the natural rhythms of uh, of the world around them, and uh, you know start when the sun comes up and when it gets too dark to do anything. Go to sleep or hang out, have a fire, talk, you know, roast uh, chestnuts or, you know, leaves or whatever. That's what they are doing. They're hanging out around the fire and it's dark. I'm just saying, like, it can't hurt to to hold on to that notion of time to a certain extent. I mean, I'm almost thinking on a bigger scale, like you, you, you don't you may not need to track the minutes going by because you can you can do that with the sun and when it's dark and when you're hungry and whatever. But it wouldn't, it'd be good to at least know the months going by. And you can't do that without at least, I, guess, I mean, I guess you don't need a watch, but you do need, need to, watch. you need to count the days somehow. It's fine. Right? It's fine. But what do you need to know what time it is for? Like, why do you need to know what time it is? You need to know what time it is so that you can get to work on time, so that you can leave on time, so that uh, you don't miss uh, Hockey Night in Canada. So that, well, that's important. Uh, <laughs> it is important. So these are all the, the things that you have scheduled. So you know, essentially, you don't need to know what time it is. You need to know how much time do I have left until I have this other responsibility or whatever. So I think in their world, they don't have that constraint. They have, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're living hand to mouth. They're just, uh, I need to get food. 
That is not time dependent. I need to sleep. That's not time dependent. That's uh, you know a natural cycle of the uh, the Earth going around the sun. I was going to say the sun going around the Earth, but that's really not true anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. Uh, it was for a while. Yeah, but... it was for a while there yeah. uh, until they outlawed it. I think it was the church that outlawed it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, okay, I, I get your point. You're absolutely right. I guess you don't need to know the time, but it can't hurt to have some sort of timepiece in order to help you in your ultimate goal of keeping track of the of the months uh, that's all i'm saying okay i so think you get, should get keep yourself track of the months. A, get yourself a calendar and a pencil then you're fine <laughs> sure i think that if you know if they ever get to any kind of normalcy back into civilization or you know if somehow years down the road they're able to uh to get to a a level of civilization where a, a clock or a watch makes sense I'm sure there's going to be a watch or a clock lying around someplace that they can wind up and 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 use. There's a lot of watches out in the world right now. Mm, that's very true, and they're probably mostly discarded in the Walking Dead or, universe. Or find a field and stick a, a stick straight up in the air, and you got yourself an instant sundial. Yes, that'll you, work. Yes, you do. Anyhow, that was a lot about the watch. Uh, I think what's important that comes out of this conversation between Rick. And Carol is that Rick says to her, you know, I'm still not sure about what you did. Like he's saying, I still don't know about what you did by killing those people at the prison. But uh, um, at this point, you know, she saved them. So Rick says, can we join you? Because you're the one who's obviously surviving pretty well. And Carol says, yes, you may join me. Nice. <laughs> so good for them. Now we see Carol and Daryl at night, and they are talking about not wanting to talk about it. <laughs> and this is uh, this actually hit me as to why she picked up Daryl's uh, crossbow instead of Michonne's katana. She's sweet on Daryl. She wanted to bring him a present. Well, there's a lot of people who are really on board with that relationship happening in the show. I'm on board. Are you? Any woman who brings you a crossbow is, is a keeper. Well, no, it's just I'm not for me, for them. I think they're good for each other. Right. Well, she uses the same line that Tyrese did earlier here. She says, I need to forget. So she's kind of taking a cue from Tyrese, you know, saying, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to put it in the past and move on. That and, was a come on. She wanted to have sex with Daryl right then and there under that tree. Yeah, but they were. I want to forget. Make me forget. I don't want to think about anything else. She was coming on to him. Wow. <laughs> Make me forget. That's the that's the uh, craziest uh, pickup line I've ever heard. <laughs> well, it, uh, no, it isn't. Hey, it can't be. Hey, baby. Make me forget. Make I me had forget a bad my night. own name. I want to forget about it. Do me. <laughs> I'm not so sure she was there at, quite yet, but maybe. Maybe you're right. Uh, but at this point, instead of instead of that happening, Daryl thinks he hears something in the woods. So he gets up, looks around, doesn't seem to be anything there. But we, as the audience, see a shadowy figure pass in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Dun dun dun! We go to opening credits. After the credits, we are in the forest, and the group gets alarmed by Daryl returning with a string of squirrels. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that he has his squirrel line back yeah me too and i'm also glad that the group was startled by it because that means they're on high alert as they should be yep you know you don't want someone they should to... have a signal so that uh, when they're coming through the woods that they can they can do something that would uh, alert the uh, the group that you know it's not a threat coming at them you know in the in world war ii 
the uh, the Allied soldier soldiers in uh, the D Day invasion, they they would say flash. Mm-hmm. They say flash, and the response was thunder. Right. right to make sure and so they need some kind of signal like hey I'm human I can actually talk yep. so don't kill me <laughs> I'm good right. I'm not here to kill you or just say anything you know hello right but uh, that's not what Daryl does he kind of sneaks up everyone raises their guns they're like oh it's Daryl with squirrels we'll be okay in yeah, fact they, now we they, can have dinner they gotta do something better than that yeah I think somebody's so. gonna get hurt as they continue walking, Daryl and Rick uh, are talking about what he thinks he saw last night. He says there are no tracks, but he felt like someone was watching them. Mm-hmm. He's got a feeling. And then Abraham tells Rick that he wants to go north to find a vehicle once they find a road. So we've got a, little, a lot of little conversations going on here, giving us, the audience, just a bit of information about everybody's kind of feeling about what's going on and, and what their next steps should be. Yep. Uh, we see Sasha and Bob kind of flirting as they walk along. They're playing good times, bad times, or something like that. And uh, after that, they, they kiss, and Tyrese looks really happy for his sister. Yeah, that's nice that uh, Tyrese doesn't want to pound him in the face for uh, hooking up with his sister. <laughs> it is really Because nice. that could happen. Oh, it totally could. But Tyrese is a big softy, man. He's the babysitter. He just wants love to be in the air, and it seems like it is right in front of him. Yeah, well, that's 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 sweet. It is. I hope so. And they were playing a game uh, that uh, uh, what's her name was saying. Uh, it's she would say something bad, like yep. negative, yep. like my socks are full of water, uh, and then uh, and then he would say something good about it. It's good times, it bad was, times. It was, yeah, it was it was having you know seeing the good in uh, the crappy thing that you're you're saying. That is another key to survival, I think, along with keeping track of the months, is trying to find the good in the bad because if you're strictly all about the bad you're going to drive yourself crazy yeah morale is very important absolutely i tell my children that try to find try to see things on the bright side because not everything if, if you can't then you're going to lead a really um depressing life right and do you <laughs> usually finish those sentence sentences with you little bastards <laughs> no because i don't know if they'd see the good side in that <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, you got to you, you got to balance the good with the bad, right? So I, you say something nice. You know, make sure you say something nice like uh, you know, that's a really pr- pretty flower on your dress right there. Uh and just make sure you look at the positives, you little bastard. Uh, this weekend it would have been that's a really nice flower you picked for me. Thank you, but it's too bad your lice is <laughs> too bad your hair is full of damn lice. <laughs> you little bastard. See? <laughs> right. <laughs> we had to get the lice removed this weekend. It was good times. All right. Um, the group is walking along, and they suddenly hear screams for help. And Rick hesitates, but Carl, he's right there and insists they go to find out what's happening. That's because he's wearing his uh, hat. His- the hat is uh, is a representation of uh, goodness and helpfulness. Whoever's wearing the hat is a good, helpful person. And it's always Carl. Well, it was Rick, you know, at the beginning. Oh, that's right. But and he, that's Rick's when, not wearing the hat anymore. That's when he was a good, helpful person. But look at him now. Yeah. Yes. I like your, the- your theory on the hat, Jason. All right. So whoever gets the hat next, if anybody, it means they're going to be the con- they're going to be the conscience of the group. It, yeah, it's a hat of compassion plus two. Okay. Very good. So they run to see who who's there. We find a priest on a rock surrounded by zombies. They rescue him, and he jumps down, and the priest pukes before he can say anything because you know zombies. And then introduces himself as Gabriel. Says he has Gabe. no weapons because the word of God protects him. Yeah, 
I'm not sure that was it, working out so well, but apparently that's what happens. No, it's fine. It, it it's doing fine. He needed help because he was in trouble. Mm-hmm. God provided help. They, this whole group of arm, well armed, well disciplined people showed up, killed all the zombies, and saved them. It's because ver- he needed a weapon for it. It's very true. I mean, not just one person came because you know one person. There were three or four zombies there that might have been in trouble, but like twelve people showed up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's there's a there's a there's a parable. Uh, no, a guy stuck down a hole, right? right? Uh, actually, no, he's... Sorry. I'm going to start that over. This is a different story. Uh, the guy's, uh, his house floods. His whole neighborhood floods. He's stuck on a roof, right? And he's, he believes in God and believes that God will save him. So this guy shows up with a boat and says, uh, hey, do you need a hand? It's like, no, no, I'm fine. God will. Uh, God's going to provide for me. And then uh, later another guy shows up on, uh, you know, with, with a, a life raft and says, hey... You know, come on, I'll give you a hand. You're stuck on your roof. It's like, no, no, God, uh, God's got me covered. Or, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And then uh, a little bit later, a guy shows up in a helicopter and says, grab this line. I'll pull you up. We'll take you to safety. And uh, the guy says, no, God is going to save me. I don't need, uh, I don't need help. So the guy drowns and dies and ends up uh, in heaven at the pearly gates. And uh, the guy says, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent a guy in a boat, a life raft, and a helicopter. What more do you want? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's uh, there's there's a quite a bit of uh, help there that he refused. That's exactly. So this this is what God is doing. It's providing uh, Gabriel with uh, with help. All right. Well, Gabriel accepts the help, and uh, they kill all the zombies. And he he asks if they have any food. Carl offers him some pecans, delicious nice. delicious pecans. He would be proud to partake of your pecans. Yes. And he says he has a church, and Rick frisks him and then asks him the three questions. So, uh, Gabriel, how many walkers have you killed? None. How many people have you killed? Zero, man. Why? Because God says don't kill anybody. The Lord abhors violence is what his answer was. Um, I'm not sure that's true. Old Testament's full of violence. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, zombies are trying to kill you. You sometimes have to do what you need to do to protect yourself to go on living and, you know, continue worshiping the Lord. So I think killing zombies is probably okay. Well, it all has to do with, uh, you know, personhood. You know, are zombies people, mm-hmm. are their souls still intact? You mm-hmm. know, And uh, just the fact that they're walking around doesn't mean it's bad to kill them. Is you it know, I- you kill animals to eat, yeah. right? So that's not uh, necessarily bad. You know, you got to kill to survive sometimes, and, uh, you know, killing a zombie probably is okay. Yeah, well, are zombies already dead? Is it even murder? That is a bigger ethical question, right? Right. So, I, you know, it's, it's uh, tricky. Depends on your definition of zombie, I suppose. Uh, anyways, they... Um, so Rick ends up asking Gabriel what... You know, what have you done if you haven't done any of that? Because they've all done something, Rick says. Yeah. That's a little bit of foreshadowing, probably. And they're now on the way to the church. And I'm going to call him Gabe from now on. Gabe says that he hasn't gone this far from the church before. And then he makes a bad joke about maybe he's lying and he's just leading them away to steal all their squirrels. The group does not find that too funny. No, because keeping your squirrels is very important. Well, Daryl went to a lot of work to capture those squirrels and... And to put them on a line, yeah. Yeah, and they're going to eat them and enjoy them. And, you know, if someone stole those squirrels, that'd be the end of him. 
So they eventually get to the church, and Rick insists on looking around first. Um, they go inside, you know, guns drawn, making sure there's no uh, trap in there or anything like that. A bunch of them are looking around. Carol finds a bunch of books, religious books, Bibles, I, suppo I suppose, including one in which Gabe has rewritten the Bible out by hand, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, maybe he lost his Bible and needed to write it out from memory. Well, that's what I was thinking when I watched it, but you think, I don't know, you think there'd be enough Bibles in, in a church that if you lose one, you could just use another one. Um, but he, he wrote out, thou shalt not kill in big letters. Well, yeah, because he believes, you know, you know, if it's got uh, two legs, two arms, a couple of eyes and is upright walking around, then uh, it's a person. So you shouldn't should not murder. Yeah, this is um, similar to... Herschel's initial feeling, right? He didn't want to kill them because he said, those are people in there and maybe we can bring them back. Maybe we can cure them. I don't know that Gabe feels that way necessarily, but he's coming to the same conclusion, possibly from a little bit, a little bit of a different angle, I, th I think. Right, 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 right. Um, let's see. Rick sees a whole bunch of empty cans of food by the altar and Michonne finds a bunch of kind of freaky apocalyptic kids drawings all over the place. Yeah. So that's a little interesting. Why would there be all these pictures drawn by kids? You know, you'd think that would have to have had happened after the zombie apocalypse and they're reacting to it. Well, I have a theory about that and it's uh, it'll come up in a little while. Okay. Well, we'll wait a little while and we'll get to that then. Um, outside the church, Abraham's out there. He says there's a short bus out back that they can get running, but everybody else wants to hang out here for a while and they all go into the church. Um, here's another little bit, a little scene that I didn't love, um, when people are passing by Abraham and Tara says, you know, what he said as they, after I think Glenn went in and said, we got to hang out here for a while. And then right. Bob comes along and goes, uh, what she said, <laughs> like, come on, really? Right. <laughs> seems a little, well, what didn't you like about it? I don't know. It just seemed a little on the nose. It seemed a bit silly. What, what she said, what he said, you know, um, this episode was written by Robert Kirkman. And I felt like you could feel that most of the way through the episode. Some of the dialogue was a little bit Kirkman comic booky. Yeah, this was a little. They're they're taking a deep breath, right? They just went through a whole bunch of crap, like with the prison and with living by themselves. You know, getting split up and then ending up in the train car and then having to get out. And there's like propane tanks exploding and stuff. So now they're all just taking a big, big, deep breath, and they're just relaxing a little bit. Well, do you mean the characters or the writers? The characters. I think both, to be honest. Well, could be. I, I think, you know, Kirkman is just letting out a breath. Like you said, he's taking it easy, and the characters are doing the same thing. So they're coming back down from their, their emotional high of the last episode. Um... So what happens? Gabe says he has food because the zombie apocalypse happened right after their annual food drive at the church, which is lucky for him. Right. And uh, they talk about a source of food nearby, but there are a dozen walkers. So the group decides to go out because they figure they can handle a dozen walkers. It's no big All deal. Right, let's step back one second. So when they entered the church, uh, have you, you've been to church at least a I've, couple of times? I've been in churches, yes. Right. So when you uh, go to a mass... They have uh, placards, like a little kind of thing at the front of the church telling you what the uh, the sermon is and what the uh, yep. what the readings will be. Yep. 
Did you notice that uh, there was a bunch of readings on those placards at the, be- at the front of the church? I, I did. Now, now, if you're going to go and say you went and looked them up and read them, that's awesome because I didn't do that. But I did study it a little bit to see if there was any kind of anything in there, like any correlation or any message within what was on the placard. But I didn't go any deeper than that. Yeah, I looked them up. Okay. So we had, uh, there was one, two, three, four, five of them. We had Romans 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 7, Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two, Revelations 9, 6, and Luke 24, 5. Do you want me to read them to you? If you think they're important. And oh, I think, they are. I think they might be. They are. So Romans 6, 4, which is the first one. Uh, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's the first one. Okay. Uh, the second one is Ezekiel 37, 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Bone. A skeleton kind of thing. Bone to bone. Then we had uh, Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two. And the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Come on. Really? It's like they did this on purpose. <laughs> and Revelations 9, 6. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Okay. Which is interesting. And the final one is Luke 24, 5. Uh, In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, and the med- men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? That's amazing. So the, these all have to do with death and, uh, you know, you know, some outright zombie kind of thing. So do you think that um, Father Gabriel had a congregation post-apocalypse that he was continuing to lead and preach to? It sounds like maybe they were reading stuff that was appropriate to what was going on outside. Yes. So I don't know if it's post-apocalypse, but uh, it's not like they flicked a switch that went from no zombies to the whole world is zombies. It happened over maybe a couple of days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. This is out in the middle of the country. It might have been like uh, a long time that they knew that the dead were rising, but before it actually reached this area, mm-hmm. right? Rick was in that coma for six weeks. Or whatever, uh, yeah. Or whatever. So I think during that... Uh, you know, after the they recognized the dead were walking or, you know, watching it on TV or whatever, uh, that, yes, he had sermons and had, uh, you know, church gatherings uh, where they put up this stuff where they would read uh, wisdom from the Bible about what was going on. And I think that's where the drawings came from, too, because the kids would be involved in that. Uh, so they would, you know, it's and it's a good therapy to get kids to draw what they're feeling, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's where the drawings came from. Very, very interesting. I think uh, I think that's an, an amazing theory, and I think it's an interesting story. It could be an interesting story point, too, where we have this group of people who, yes, were trying to process what was happening in the world around them, and this is how they chose to do it, and then something happened. And whether it's as mundane as, well, the zombies came to them and they started being attacked and being killed, or if there's something beyond that that really you know, ended this congregation, we might find out. Right. And and I got all those uh, those excerpts from the Bible from a website called Bible Gateway, in case you're interested. 
So I uh, I just quoted right from there. I don't know which version of the Bible they were using. Uh-huh. So I don't know if this is accurate in any way, shape, or form, but I used Bible Gateway to look up these references. Well, they sound like they're appropriate, so I think we will stick with them. They sound very bible They definitely sound bible <laughs> yeah, Good. Well, so after that, they decide to go out and get the food from this food bank, and Rick says that uh, Gabriel's got to come with them, even though he doesn't want to go. Um so, uh, you know, because he doesn't trust him, really. <clears throat> yeah. Now, um, we, get, we get to a scene with Rick talking to Carl, I guess, before they leave. And Rick says to Carl that he doesn't trust Gabe. And he basically tells Carl that he's got to always stay alert because he's not safe. No matter how safe he feels in this big group of people, he's not safe. You never let your guard down. And... Uh, um, Carl says, sure, I get that. But at the same time, we are now strong enough that we can help other people. We don't have to be afraid of everyone. And, you know, we can we can do some good in this world by helping people. And I think this was an interesting scene because it really showed the difference of the two outlooks that these characters have, even though they're father and son. And one is like, let's be afraid of everybody. We got to keep ourselves safe. And the other one is like, yeah, I get that, but we got to help people when they need it because if we don't, then we're as bad as, you know, people at Terminus or the, or the mad dogs on the road from last season or whoever. Right. I think it was, yeah, he's got the hat of compassion on. So he's, uh, he's a compassionate guy. (laughs) Clearly the hat, the hat is, does it all. He just needs to put that on his dad for a while and see what happens. That'd be awesome. After a commercial break, we come back and Gabe, Rick, Bob, Sasha, and Michonne are on the road on their way. Bob is telling Rick that he thinks Washington is going to happen. That's where we're going to go. And Rick says he hasn't decided yet, but Bob's like, look, um, you know, someday you'll be back in the real world. And uh, so we got to go there and make this happen. But Rick said, Bob, you're silly. This is the real world. You can't think too far ahead. Yeah. Uh, we go to Daryl and Carol. They are bringing back some water. So I guess a bunch of groups went out to do something, even though we didn't really talk about that before, um, because we have Maggie, Tara, and Glenn out as well. But first, Daryl and Carol, and they're bringing the water, and they're talking about how they can start all over with everybody. It's a clean slate. You know, we're all back together. Carol, you know, sort of got lucky saving them, but, uh, you know, everything is cool now. We don't have to hide things or have secrets or, or you know, dislike each other we're all good right which Which is is nice which is definitely nice now they come to a car in the road it doesn't work and carol looks in the trunk and is that a generator in the trunk it's a battery uh it's a battery pack you can get those at canadian tire up here in canada basically it's a it's either a motorcycle battery or a small car battery within a a a unit and you can use it to jumpstart your car or it has a like a, a lighter plug and a regular plug in it so you can power some electronics for a little bit so she found it in the uh, the back of the car and she flicked a switch to see if there was any power in it and there was a little power in it okay so it's just a backup battery power device you can take around with you in case you need it yeah exactly it'll have a flashlight on it and some of them have like an air pump in it if you get a flat tire that kind of thing yeah okay all right well that's good that's that's good uh they decide to leave it there as sort of a backup plan if they have to escape which is probably a smart plan uh, before they leave, Daryl drops a bottle of water, and they have a good giggle over it. <laughs> I've, you know, I watched that scene a couple of times, and I am undecided as to whether or not that was scripted, or whether he dropped the bottle of water and they just went with it and kept it. 
You think so? Because he kind of raises his arm as if to say, let's go. And then he fumbles the water, it falls down. And you're right, they do both kind of stand there for a second as if it was unscripted. Yeah, and uh, Carol, I forget the actress's name all of a sudden. Melissa McBride. Melissa McBride has a smirk on her face. And uh, I forget what the quote, I said, uh, she said, yep, or yeah, right, or what did she say? It was, no, it was something like that though, yeah. It just seemed, it seemed like she said something a little out of character. And so uh, I'm not sure whether it was scripted or not. Or maybe it was one of those things where a previous take went awry and uh, the director went, you know what, let's do another take with that. Right. So yeah. I, I'm not sure what exactly happened there, but... Uh, it was a bit of a, a strange scene, and it did stick out to me a little bit. It didn't occur to me that it would have been unscripted, but I can see it. I can. I like your theory. I want to subscribe to your newsletter. All right. I will, uh, I will add you to the mailing list. Thank you. Very good. Uh, after that, though, we cut over to Maggie, Glenn, and Tara. They are at a gun shop. Now, Glenn is inside the gun shop. Um, although I guess we don't know that right away. We see something move and we hear a crash inside and then Glenn comes out and they're like, what was it? A walker? And at first he says, yeah, it was a walker, but no, really. I tripped over a stack of boxes and a mop. Yeah. (laughs) Very tricky. So they have a good, uh, good laugh over that. He didn't take the mop though. No, he took silencers. Yeah, but they might they might need a mop for something. What if they what if they spill something or you know, what if Daryl drops a bottle of water? They, they might need to mop it up. I would say they probably have a mop in the church already. The most churches come with mops. Do they? I would I would think so. Most buildings come with mops. <laughs> okay. I would think. Um anyways, he takes silencers and he said there's nothing in this world that's worth having that isn't hidden or something like that. You know, silencers are not just this thing that you attach to whatever you want, right? Well, you screw them onto the end of a gun barrel to make it quieter, right? Yeah, but you need to have a gun that's designed to have a silencer attached to it. Sure. They don't just come with threaded ends to screw a silencer on. I I get that, but you can... Remember, Rick made one out of a flashlight in season two or three. Yeah, but you just strap that on. These are these are actual silencers. First of all, I don't know what a gun shop is doing with them because I think silencers are even illegal in the states. Like, I don't think like they're not they're not legal things. No, but they think. exist. And and Glenn said that they were hidden in a mini fridge. So someone was probably hoarding this stuff at some point. And then things went bad, and he was never able to come back for his silencers. Um, right. But I think you the, can't just you, like the fact that silencers are illegal. That means you can't just buy a weapon like you can't, or find a weapon that is you know, made to have a silencer attached to it. Well, I know that, but so you're, you're, you're just saying that there's probably no silencer weapons available, like to them readily yeah. available. I'm saying they found silencers, but that, that doesn't do them any good. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're just stocking up on stuff on the off chance that they come across some silencer ready weapons. Yeah. Because that well, would I'm be sure, handy. I'm sure that they will come into play a little bit later. Yeah, well, they did make we a big... We just call them Chekhov silencers. They did make a big deal out of them, so we'll yeah. see. Um, what happens next? We go to the food bank. Rick enters the building, and they find a big hole in the floor with a flooded basement full of walkers. And It's a, it's a zombie soup. It is. The, full of... Uh, I, I hearkened back to Teabag Walker in the well. There's a whole bunch of them here. Yeah. Now, they... Uh, the group decides that the food is down there, so they have to go get it. 
so they decide to use a bunch of shelves that are down there in that flooded basement to hide behind and block the zombies. So in they go, and Rick insists Gabe go down with them. Right. Yeah. Now we go to a commercial and we come back. They're in the basement. They're hiding behind the shelves, and they're stabbing the zombies sort of through the shelf, protected back there. Mm-hmm. Um... So what happens next is Gabe sees a zombie. He appears to know this zombie. He recognizes her glasses, and he panics and runs for the stairs. Uh, the stairs collapse, so now he's exposed in the open. He's up in he's in like waist high water, exposed. There's zombies around. The other the rest of the group pushes the shelves down on the walkers, and Rick goes to save Gabe just in time before glasses zombie gets him. Right, because of course the one he recognizes uh, is going to be the one that gets closest to him naturally. It's, you know, he, he made a big thing about running away from that zombie, so it's the one that's going to follow him. Uh, in this whole scene, there's a lot of close calls for everybody as they're fighting off the zombies now. And when they think everything's fine, suddenly Bob gets pulled under the water, and he comes up basically holding a skeleton. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> yeah. this was like submerged walker that had very little flesh left on it. It was pretty bony. And he's shaking it around, struggling with it, and uh, eventually, um, eventually, Sasha runs over and helps him kill it. And she says, "Are you okay?" And Bob goes, "I'm fine now." <laughs> this uh, did this remind you of the trash compactor scene in Star Wars? A little bit, yeah. When he gets yeah. yanked under, for sure. Yeah, too bad they didn't have uh, C-3PO where they could open up uh, the trash compactor. No, no, all the trash compactors on the detention level. <laughs> That's right. I, I believe, uh, you know, if I know my uh, my Star Wars correctly, it was trash compactor number 3263827. Go look that up. I, got, I brought that from my memory. I didn't look that up at all. Good for you, my friend. Um, it was a little bit like that. You know, Luke gets sucked under, under, under the water and then eventually comes up, but he's let go. Whatever had him let go, this Skeletor zombie did not let him go. Right. And Bob yeah, as soon as, yeah, as soon as he went under I, and I knew he'd come back up and they'd deal with it, but then I expected the walls to all collapse. <laughs> right. To, to start closing in on them, right? <laughs> well, not closing in, but you know, it's not going to be exactly like a trash compactor because, oh, you know, very few basements in towns in, uh, you know, Georgia have uh, trash compactor walls. Oh, I put in uh, compression walls in my basement when we renovated it. Well, yeah, you know that, that makes perfect sense for us up here up north. Sure. But uh, down in Georgia, there's no need for that, uh, you know, that kind of uh, basement compaction device. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> of course. But up here, it's very important. Yeah. Uh, all right. Are we good to move on? Yeah, pressure generates heat. Remember from physics? Yes, I do. Yeah, so that's why we need uh, trash compactors in our basements so that uh, we can generate heat for our, our homes. We don't have furnaces. We have compression basements for our garbage to make our war- homes warm. Exactly. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. Good. So the group is now leaving town. They're pushing dollies uh, full of supplies down the road. I, and- uh, from what I saw, they didn't take a single roll of toilet paper. There were rolls of toilet paper in that basement, like packages of toilet paper, but they didn't bring any. If I was in the zombie apocalypse and I found toilet paper, I would bring toilet paper with me to the camp. I agree. Now, I got to think they probably just, you just didn't see it because you're right. I mean, you find toilet paper, you collect the toilet paper. Yeah, I would be wearing a backpack, you know, loaded four feet high because toilet paper is light, right? It would be a four foot high backpack full of toilet paper. And like one can of beans. 
and pudding. Don't forget the pudding. Sorry, but they had nice carts and uh, they got a gar. Okay, they they have they're, you know, uh, Bob is pulling a garbage can on wheels. You know, like the one you have, like mm-hmm. a big garbage can that has wheels on it. Uh, I assume that that garbage can is full of toilet paper. Well, we just couldn't see it because you're right. I mean, if it's there, you got to take it. Uh, but they're doing this, hauling stuff down the road. Rick asks Michonne if she misses the sword. And she says, not really. I kind of prefer things now. I miss Andrea. I miss Herschel. and But I, I don't miss what came before. I don't miss my sword. So I wonder if, yeah. I wonder if Michonne is not going to get, she's not going to be a sword person anymore. She's like, I like things the way they are now. Um, what do I need a sword for? No, she's going to get it back. Don't you fear. Okay. I hope so. Uh, they get back to the church, and Carl, you know, I guess they unload the stuff, which we don't see. Carl then shows Rick some scrapes on the outside wall of the church as if people were trying to get in, um, which is a little bit weird. You wouldn't think, like, living people would just scrape up the outside of a church. You'd think they'd be able to get in if they really wanted to. So these are probably scrapes made by zombies? No. You don't think so? Scrapes made no, by... No, by, they're made by humans in a panic. Trying to get oh, trying to get in because there's zombies chasing them. Exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. they're trying to get in the church, and uh, good old Gabriel is like, uh, "Screw you! This is my church. I'm the priest. Get lost. Get lost." Oh, he's not such a nice guy after all. No. All right. Well, he also Rick, uh, Carl also found something uh, carved into the side of the church. It said, "You'll burn for this." That's right. So, so I, that's what I think happened. I think we know why. Yeah. We cut to a commercial, and when we come back, we're now inside the church. Everyone's kind of eating, laughing. They're having a good time. It's party time in this church. And Abraham proposes a toast to survivors, because that's what they are. And as he's talking, we get up up close shots of all our characters, really. Um, Abraham is making his case to go to Washington, and he speaks quite eloquently about it, I thought. He does. You know? He lures you in. Like, it's one, it's, it, as soon as he started talking, I knew it was a trap, right? It's like, okay, uh, you're all survivors. You've earned that, uh, you know, to, to survivors. And they have this big toast. And yep. then he says, is surviving enough? Right. Shouldn't you want more than what you've achieved already? He makes them so feel good about themselves and then yanks the rug out. So he, he gets their buy-in, right? Like right. they agree, yes, we're survivors and they're proud about that. And then with that buy-in, they're with him. And then whatever he says next, uh, everybody feels socially obligated to be with him then. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a sucker ploy. He knows what he's doing. It's, he's a good public speaker or a good debater. That's maybe. how I got my wife to marry me. <laughs> I talked her into it. <laughs> well, Actually, good. it was easier than that. I said, will you marry me? And she said, seriously? <laughs> I said, yes. And then she said, yeah. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> I think, yes, okay. And you said, and now we're going to take a road trip to Washington. And uh, it was happily ever after after that. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of Abraham's speech, he asks Eugene what's in Washington. And Eugene says that they have infrastructure in D.C. for handling a pandemic of this FUBAR magnitude. Mm-hmm. And you know what FUBAR stands for? Fucked up beyond all recognition. That's right. Again, I think this is Robert Kirkman writing. It, it, it just kept happening to me in this episode. I don't think another writer would have would have written Fubar Magnitude. I don't know why. I don't know. It's one of those. Uh, it's another uh, bit of jargon that the military uses, right? So, okay. Or... But th- then why didn't it come out of Abraham's mouth and not uh, Eugene's? 
I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That's See what weird. I mean? Like I don't know. It doesn't. It it just doesn't work for me. It's it's too. I I don't have any other way to explain this, but it's almost too real world. Like you'd get a douchebag in the real world that would say that kind of thing, but you just don't see that on TV. And I guess some people, maybe some that works for some people, but it didn't work for me here. Um, anyways, Abraham asks them to come with him to save the world for who? Well, for Judith, for themselves, for everybody, he says. And uh, then Rick agrees to go. I have another theory. Okay. I think uh, Eugene is a time traveler. And I'll tell you why. All right. So first of all, he's got a mullet. Okay. And regardless of whether they're coming back, it's uh, I, I think he's from uh, the 80s. I think that the last place he was at was the 80s. He's from the future, ultimately from the future, went back in time to World War II where he learned the term FUBAR. And then he went to the 80s for a little while to get, uh, get his shit together. And then he ended up here and is stuck and has to get back to Washington where his time travel crap is. And he, he just wants to get rid of this zombie apocalypse stupid time and go back to the future. Interesting. Fly. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I think his, uh, you know, his, his World War II terminology plus 80s hair uh, equals time traveler. And I think that he, uh, the proof will be, and I'm going to give you a, a reason to to believe this in the future. I think that in the next couple of episodes, he's going to use the phrase 32 skidoo or something like that, something like way outdated. Like FUBAR you can almost live with, but that's that's uh, that's a World War II term, right? So I think 32 skidoo is like pre-World War One. Okay. Like that's the roaring 20s right there. Uh, that's that's not pre-World War One. I. I recognize no. that. But okay. that's like uh, a right around World War One. So I think he's a time traveler that is trying to get back to the future. Fine. We got to keep track of all the crazy out of context or out of time frame things that Eugene says then. Right. From the future and from the past. All right. Like he's all over the place, right? All right. Well, you you, so, you keep up on that. Every every week we're, we're going to need an update on what Eugene said. What the sad thing is he's got a mullet in order to fit in. <laughs> Uh, that is pretty sad. Good, yeah, you know that just proves that he's out of time. He's just he doesn't have any real concept of what's appropriate in this time frame. Yep, mullets. Just at, you know, 2010. Mullets, that's mullets, right? Fubar. Uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's from the future. All right. Well, Rick agrees to go and to Washington, and there's a general little smattering of applause, which is nice. And at the, there's a scene, though, amongst all this where Carol looks back at the door of the church. She just stares back at it for a second, and that's all we get. Uh, now we see people still having a good time. Sasha and uh, Bob kiss a bunch more. They're having a nice time, getting all cozy. And we get the scene here where, where Tara tells Maggie that she was with the governor for the prison assault. And, of course, she's apologizing, basically, for that. Um uh, and, and she says, I didn't really know who he was. And I'm, you know, she didn't come out and say it in so many words, but she's basically saying, I'm sorry he had to chop your father's head off for me to realize that. Right. But Maggie forgives her and says, well, you're with us now. I thought for sure they were going to kiss. <laughs> you thought for sure? And you I were I thought hoping. for sure they were going to kiss. Well, I don't know. It's just a feeling I got. There was, there's something going on there. I don't know, man. I don't think it's that kind of show. They they hugged and everyone is a okay now. I feel I feel like that's a lot for Maggie to forgive, to be honest. It is. Uh, 
you know, they're all feeling pretty good. They just had a big meal. They all agreed with, uh, with what's his name? And, and, and uh, they've been drinking the wine, the communion they've wine. They've been drinking the wine. They're in a church. Everything's happy-go-lucky. Uh, you know, they survived the zombie soup. Uh, you know, I think that this was a perfect timing for her to admit to that because Maggie feels like, uh, you know, we're all a group finally. We're all, you know, a cohesive unit. We're, uh, it's us against the world again. And, you know, Maggie doesn't want to give that up. Yeah. And by not forgiving this, this, this lady, uh, she would have to give that up, give up that feeling of community. So she feels compelled to, to forgive her. Well, you're right. It's just good timing on Tara's part, I suppose. Like, you're everything's A-OK now, so let's bring it up. There's been a couple of references to things like that. This was the moment for everyone to bring up their, their issues, right? Abraham was like, all right, now I'm going to talk to them about going to Washington. Tara's like, now I'm going to apologize for your, you know, for my actions at the, the prison and so on. And everyone was just in such a good mood. It's nice to see everyone having a nice time for once. That's because they're all drinking the communal wine. Yep, the communion Except for wine. Bob. I was worried about Bob here. Yeah, well, we don't see Bob drinking, um, and uh, Bob gets into some trouble soon. But before that, uh, Rick tells Gabe that he knows he's hiding something, and he says, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's none of my business, but these people are my family, and if your secret hurts them, I'll kill you, he says. Yeah. Seems a little... Have you ever told a priest that he's full of shit? No. I've told... Me neither. told very few people they're full of shit, actually. <laughs> to that degree. I don't believe you. To that extent. Yeah. I mean, I've probably told you you're full of shit, but I I wouldn't say, you know, I'm going to kill you. That wouldn't be very nice. No, it wouldn't. And I probably would remember that. I don't remember you saying I'm full of shit. I, I don't know if I have. Whatever. I mean, I've I've told people they're wrong before, but... Some, they, I've, told pe- I've told other people that I'm full of shit. Oh, yeah. That, I've, told, that for I've sure. said that to clients for crying out loud. <laughs> I am full of shit. <laughs> I'm full of shit. I don't, what do I know? Yeah, what do I know? So we cut out to Carol, and she's at the car outside. So I guess she snuck off to go and, and see what was by that car. Now, she, a zombie comes out of the woods, and she kills it, and then another zombie comes out of the woods. Oh, no, it's Daryl. He followed her out there, I guess. Now, do yep. you think Carol was leaving? Was she getting in that car to drive away and go? Because the car was running. No. I think she was uh, preparing the car in, in case uh, something happened at the church, right? Like she said, we'll leave this here in case something goes south at the church. And so what she went back to do was to jumpstart the battery using that battery pack to make sure the car ran and to, to you know just get it into working order and so that they could make a fast getaway if they needed to so you, as a backup. You don't think, I mean, I guess if she was doing that, that's why the car was running. But you don't think she was she was fleeing, like just deciding that, you know, I don't really belong here anymore. I'm going to go off. No, I don't think she was leaving. All I right. I think she was prepping the car. Okay. I'll 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 stick with you on that. Um Daryl comes out though and uh suddenly a car zooms by them on the road. Crazy. Yeah. And they look and it's a car with a white cross. I guess similar to the one that Daryl saw Beth taken away in. Yeah. He realizes that and uh they are like we got to go after them so he Breaks the taillights of the car, and they hop in, and they drive after them. So now we have Carol and Daryl on the road after Beth. Yeah. I wonder if we'll get to that next episode, or they'll be gone for a I while. I sure hope so. Me too. I'm if, curious. If Yeah, if they just leave it for like four episodes, they're going to be pissed. Well, they're doing that, though. We had Morgan last time. We didn't see Morgan this time. So 
that's Spoiler. that's something they're going to set up. <laughs> Sorry, that's something they're going to they've set up for future. Now they have another two characters going off after Beth. That's set up for a future episode. I don't know. They could be setting up a lot of different things here, and we're going to get little bits and pieces as the season progresses, or at least the first half of the season progresses. I don't know. That's a lot to ask your audience to remember. It's if true. You don't show something every episode because it's hard to you know you and I. We have an advantage in that we pour over this crap for, uh, you know, the entire week until the next episode. Mm -hmm. And so we have a, you know, a good idea of what the heck is going on from week to week and from season to season. Yep. Uh, You know, from season to season is a little iffy, but uh, from week to week at least. (laughs) Yeah, you should listen to us. I can remember what happened last season. (laughs) So what season was it where the zombies attacked? Right. Uh, So uh, it's a lot to ask your audience to, to remember that kind of thing. That's true. That's true. And we, you know, we already have a lot of characters, which I'm going to talk about more in a minute, in a minute here, but let's uh, finish this one out. We go back to Bob. He's now outside the church and he's looking really upset at night. He is. He starts crying. He does. He's at, it's, it's nighttime. He's all by himself. He's crying out there. He, he sort of walks into the forest a little bit. He cries against the tree and suddenly he's knocked out by a hooded figure. So why was he crying? Well, Let's let's finish this off and then talk about Bob. All right. Uh, the camera, after he gets dragged away, focuses on a horizontal mark that's left in this tree. Almost like right. it's one part of a circle with a cross in it, but I, I don't know for sure. Part of, it's not a part. It's a, uh, a horizontal mark, and the, at the end of the uh, right-hand side, there was a vertical mark going down, and then a little bit to the left of that, there was a vertical mark going up. It was definitely a glyph of some kind. So it wasn't just a, sl- a stash, a slash in a tree. So it's a it's a code. It means something. It means something. Interesting, but we don't know what it means. Um, and and Bob wasn't making the mark. He was simply leaning against that tree. Happened to be leaning against it when he got clobbered. Right. Okay. There's a commercial break. We come back and we're still with Bob. Now he's waking up and uh, dun, 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 look who it is. It's Gareth. Gareth. So Bob was taken by Gareth. Um, Gareth does a lot of talking in this scene. He's talking to Bob. He says that he didn't want to hurt him, hurt him or scare him, but now they have to. And he talks about how, you know, your people took away our home. So it's only fair that we do whatever we want now. You know, you hurt us, so we'll hurt you. And he says to survive, they have to hunt and they have evolved into eating people. They have become hunters is what he says. We now have confirmation of cannibalism. 100% confirmation. Gareth said it himself. We are hunters and we are eating people. They are fine young cannibals. They are. Now, he says that nothing that happened to Bob is personal. They would have done this to anybody, I guess, who was crying outside a church at night. And uh, while this is happening, we get shots of other people around this fire. And they're all eating... Um, and, uh, we also get shots of the people back in the church who are still sort of enjoying themselves, except for Gabe, who doesn't really look that happy. And back with Bob and Gareth and everybody, the camera pulls back and Bob is missing one of his legs below the knee. Yes, he is. And Gareth takes a big bite of meat and says that Bob tastes much better than he thought he would. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's eating, yeah. and the episode fades to black, and that's the end. So poor Bob has been taken, has had one of his legs cut off, and they are chowing down on that bad boy. Now, now there is a line 
and I apologize, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, there was a line that Gareth said that uh, confused me a little bit. So he's talking to Bob about, uh, you know, this is don't this is not personal. This would have happened to anybody, but it's fate that it's happening to you or something along those lines. Do you remember what he said? No, I do know what you're referring to. I don't know exactly what it was, but I, I, I think it, I, I felt like it was that um, Bob was the one who spoke up when they were at the, the blood trough. Right. And now Bob is the one that is, um, you know, so Bob's actions at the trough actually contributed to saving them, right? Because he delayed what was happening at that trough by just enough time for the explosion to, to occur. And I think maybe he's just saying now that it's, it's a funny happenstance that he's the one that they take and he's the first one that's going to be killed and eat. Right. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause what I had gone through my mind was, did they know each other from before? Cause we know that Bob had a couple of groups that have all perished. Oh, so yeah. my question was, uh, was by any chance Bob part of the group that took over Terminus before that Gareth had to retake it from. Oh, wow. That's a very different theory. Uh, that never occurred to me. I suppose it's possible. I just got It's the not likely. Yeah. I got I, the feeling this was a little bit more local. It's like all this has happened in the last two days. You were the one who, who spoke up and saved your group, and now you're the one that's going to die first. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I uh, I'm, I like your theory better than mine. Uh, it probably makes more sense than a weird kind of tie into uh, Bob being one of the bastards that took over and was raping and pillaging these people that caused them to become cannibals. Happy Bob. I can't see Happy Bob doing that anyway. Well, I can't see Happy Bob going, hey, let's go back in there. <laughs> um, yeah, <'Cause>... un unless <laughs> raping and pillaging is what turned Bob into a really happy, friendly person. <laughs> he went or, the other you way. you know, maybe he has a complete memory block of that place. You know, yeah. and the stranger things have happened where it's just like, I am so upset about uh, this whole situation that uh, I choose to just simply not remember it anymore. It's not in my brain. Okay, so let's talk about this episode a little bit more. As I said earlier, it was written by Robert Kirkman, and I felt like I could feel that every step of the way. Some of the lines I didn't think were quite up to snuff that you would get from maybe really experienced TV writers. Kirkman is obviously a writer. He writes every word of the comic book, as far as I know. But telling a story on comic pages is different from telling a story, you know, as a screenplay on TV. And I just felt like you could really feel that in this episode more so than in the other ones he's written for some reason um so that bothered me a little bit and then although i enjoyed this episode the stuff i thought about the stuff that i thought was really good about it was in fact really good it was a nice change of pace after the first uh episode but there was the scene in the basement really in the flooded basement really really bothered me i didn't like it at all i think this was a classic example of characters in the zombie apocalypse doing something absolutely ridiculous and putting themselves in harm's way for the benefit of the fact that this is a tv show i don't care how much toilet paper is down there i'm not crawling into a watery pit of zombies to collect it it, it made no effing sense whatsoever there's 12 zombies we know he said there's about a dozen they're down there it's water waist deep you can't move in water like that very fast and they're gonna go down hide behind shelves and stab the zombies i mean this 
was the this is possibly the dumbest plan this group of people have ever had in five seasons and it so took me out of it i hated it hated it why not stand there upstairs and at least at the very least use your guns to pick off a few zombies in the head before you go down there right they're just standing around down there thrashing around a little bit but they're not moving that fast either you could easily pop a few in the head and maybe cut the numbers down by half or more before you even think about going down there true i i hated it i hated that part because i don't know it's uh it's just it's just the dumbest thing i i usually am okay with with uh with the decisions that these characters make like i can live with it you know they're gonna make sometimes they're gonna make decisions that are more for the benefit of the story or just the action than realism but sometimes they take it too far at least in this case they did i thought really bothered me i agree with everything you're saying except i didn't hate it right you thought it was okay it was okay. I didn't. It didn't bother me when I watched it. I didn't think it was something that was, uh, you know, way over the top or, you know, it was a it was a particularly dumb idea. But yeah. uh, I did. I did not hate it. Well, is there anything else about this episode that you want to bring up or call out or like or dislike before we move on? Well, I don't understand why Bob was crying. For one, other than you know, the only thing I can think of was that he had something to drink. But they didn't show that. Well, no, they didn't show that. So he was outside crying. I think, here's my theory, I think Bob was bit. I think Bob was injured when he was in the water. And he's he's found happiness with Sasha, right? He's happy with her. His, his uh, future brother-in-law, I guess, Tyrese, is happy about it. And he's enjoying life as much as he can right now. But he knows he was injured in that fight with the skeleton zombie. And... So he goes outside thinking, I don't have much time left. As soon as I find something good, I'm going to, I'm going to die and turn into a zombie or, you know, at least be killed. Right. So you think that uh, Gareth cutting off his leg may have saved his life? Well, I feel like the, the time frame doesn't work, right? If he was bit in the leg and he's, yeah, he was, you know, injured down there. I mean, it saved Herschel cutting off the leg, but... I feel like, you know, Bob's been walking around for a while, sitting in the church, enjoying things. It's probably too late for him, isn't it? Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. But it, but it, I definitely think it would be an interesting twist of fate if Gareth is the one who saves Bob's life for cutting off his leg. <laughs> you that's know? true. I don't know. That would be very, very interesting. But I think that's what Bob was upset about. He's like, I suddenly found something good. I'm with a group that can survive. And now I'm the one who's going to die. I don't necessarily agree. I don't. I, I don't think that he was bit in the, uh, in in the zombie soup, and uh, I don't know why he was crying. I can't figure it out. All right. Well, that's my theory. If anyone else out there has another theory on what Bob was doing out there, why he was crying, if it was booze related or something else, uh, give us a call or send us an email. We would like to hear it. Um, the one other thought I have about this episode is that there are a lot of characters on this show now. And I could really, really feel that while watching this. I felt like everybody got a line or two, but we didn't really focus on anybody specifically. Everyone was doing something, and like Glenn had a couple scenes and a couple lines. So did Maggie, so did Abraham, Eugene. Everybody had their little bit of line, but there's just no focus right now. So I'm 
feeling like they're probably going to start trimming this herd a bit and we're going to start seeing people get killed off probably next week. Yeah, you could be right. You know? Absolutely. You didn't you didn't get a feeling like there was just too many right now? Uh no. I not particularly. Hmm. I don't know. I I feel like it worked better at the prison for some reason. Like at the prison, yeah, you had people who were Working inside, working outside. You had people who were going on runs. You had people who were working the fences. You know, they all had jobs to do. Now, it's just a big group walking along the road and, you know, not really with any goal. And I feel like you're not really getting the storyline of all the different people. You're just getting little bits here and there, which I guess is okay for a while. But I'm pretty sure they're going to want to focus it up and tighten it up a little bit soon. So... I wouldn't be surprised to see people getting killed sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. I think. That, uh, I. I don't think the group is overly large. I don't think it's uh, out of control. I don't. I, I like a nice big ensemble cast. Uh, so I'm. I'm okay with it. But uh, yeah, they better start killing some people off because they haven't done that in a long time. No, and people die on this show, and people would die in this scenario in real life. So. Yeah, I think I think next episode we are going to see some death, and I fear that it's probably the Stooky Monster. He's going to be the first to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. It's not looking good for him. All right, so uh, that is it for this uh, recap. It's very different episode than the first one, um, and uh, in my opinion, not nearly as good, but still, the good stuff that was there I, I could appreciate. So we'll see. They can't all be stellar. And uh, we'll see what happens next week. All right, let's take a quick break, Jason, to talk about how we can, how people can help support the show. And when we come back, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? If you would like to support The Talking Dead, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. It is a great way to pledge a small amount every month to help us pay for all the expenses that go into producing this podcast. As little as $1 a month, or if you want to go higher, there are some fun rewards that you can get, including um, uh, original original zombie art on a postcard written by, uh, drawn by friend of the show, Dave. We'll send those out to anyone who gets to that level. That's patreon.com slash the talking dead to help support the show. You can also support us by using our Amazon link at amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. All your shopping at Amazon, then a small percentage will come to us. And uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra. So there's nothing to lose really by going to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. We thank everyone for their support. It really means a lot to us. We appreciate every little bit. And uh, thank you again for everything.
It is time for Holy Crap, and this is this episode is one of the rare episodes of The Walking Dead, Jason, where there really truly is a holy crap moment. <laughs> yep. You know, the idea here is that you sort of pick out little things or something that you maybe everyone didn't notice or, or even an awesome zombie kill or whatever, but there isn't usually one scene where it's like, yep, that's it. That is the holy crap moment for this episode. <laughs> Um, but there is, there is in this one and a lot of people wrote it in and I'm going to read a bunch of them anyways, because a lot of people made it, made it fun. So we will start with Neil on the internet and Neil writes, I think the holy crap moment for this week was the end scene where I thought Bob was going to eat and was Bob was going to be eaten by zombies, but we find out that Garrett and friends were actually eating him on a side note, on a side note, I hope Garrett doesn't become the governor part two. I don't think so. No, I don't either, but that wouldn't... What What do you think? I mean, they're not going to do another sort of governor-type villain for, for a while on this show, probably, right? No, because uh, the governor wanted to a safe place in order to, uh, you know, house the people that he loved. Yeah. And that was his entire motivation, whereas Garrett's entire motivation is to hunt and to kill and to eat. Yeah, that's true. And he is just... This out. is what he's going to do. So you don't do that by attacking a mass of prey. You wheedle out the ones that fall behind, that get separated from the group. So this is what he's going to do. He's going to uh, peck around the edges, and if anybody is alone for too long, uh, next to any kind of glyph carved into a tree, uh, he's going to pick them off. Yeah, he is going to... He's really out for revenge, right, at this point? Yeah. And I think the best way he feels to get it is to take people and eat them. <laughs> you you burn down my home, I'm going to eat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Dave in Coventry, UK writes, my holy crap, did you see that, was the termites uh, tucking into a stooky steak while he is sat there awake. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> a stooky steak. What? Did they use anesthetic of any kind? or Because uh, that looks like it would have been exceedingly painful. Well, he was if... unconscious for it. So um, you'd think that if you were just unconscious from getting bopped on the head, you'd probably wake up when they start sawing your leg off. Uh, so maybe so. they did give him something. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the only question I would have because, uh, you know, you knock somebody unconscious uh, and then start cutting off their leg. Yeah. They're going to wake up. There's right. going to be a, you know, a surge of adrenaline. They're going to wake up screaming. They're going to be fighting. They're going to be doing all kinds of things. So, you know, and if you tie him down or hold him down and put a piece of wood between his teeth so he doesn't chew his tongue off because uh, you need to do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, he would be well aware that his leg just got chopped off. But to it to be a surprise means that. His pain has to be numbed. He has to be under some kind of uh, influence of drugs. Yeah. Well, maybe they had that stuff at Terminus and they just brought it with them. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe he's a heroin dealer and he has, uh, you know, a couple of stacks of heroin. Heroin would work perfectly in this situation. It's an opiate. I really have no idea, but I'll take your word for it. It's an opiate. Opium is a was used as an anesthetic for a long time. Okay. Well, Cameron in Greenlong, Australia writes, my holy crap, did you see that moment? It was Bob's Burgers. 
<laughs> now, Bob's, you ever watch Bob's Burgers? No, I know of Holy it. Holy crap, that's a good show. Go watch Bob's Burgers. Stop right now. Go and watch Bob Burgers, Bob's Burgers, and then come back. Can we finish and then I'll go do it? Okay. All right. If you have to. <laughs> All right. I've, I know of it, but I've never watched it. Michael so good. from Ozark, Missouri writes, the termites ate Bob's leg. Not only did they eat it, they did it in front of him. Gareth says they are forced <laughs> to be that way, but that's just evil to eat it in front of Bob and tell him that he tastes better than they thought. There are so many things wrong with this. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, Andy from Weston Supermare, UK. Holy crap, did you see the termites eating Bob's leg? I'd love to hear Bob make a positive out of this negative. <laughs> he doesn't have to eat as much now because he doesn't have as much body mass to uh, to feed on a regular basis. Trust Jason to come up with a positive out of losing your leg to cannibals. <laughs> His heart doesn't. This is, this is the same reason why I think uh, you know they have Olympic. There's Olympic athletes that are w, double amputees, mm -hmm. and they run on those spring things. Yeah, yeah. And even if they perfectly match those spring things to the response of a human lower leg that athlete still has an unfair advantage. Their heart does not have to pump as hard uh, to in order to fuel his legs running. Uh, therefore, that guy has an advantage. Except so that Bob's advantage now is uh, his heart doesn't have to work as hard to keep his body alive. Okay, except that in real life, that guy shot his, or was on trial for shooting his wife, his girlfriend, right? Oscar. Oh, is that the guy, same guy? That's the guy, Oscar Pistorius, yeah. Yeah, well, regardless of that, I'm just talking about physiologically. All right, <laughs> he has a, he has an advantage. I'm not talking about morally. This guy should uh, should not go to prison. He probably should. All right. Well, we don't know. About don't that. give him his springy things in prison because he'll just That'll bounce right out. Oh, that's terrible. Well, no, they're just they're you <laughs> I know, know I've seen calibrated them. to be the same response as a human leg. So I know it's not like he has like uh, superpowers or anything. No, they're they're it's not Professor X. They call them blades. Um, he was the Blade Runner. That's just dumb. That's what they I reject call them. that. Okay, well, Jack from Rainy England writes, uh, there's really only one thing I can choose for this week's Holy Crap, Did You See That? Poor Bob. This episode really left him in a poor state. Some would say he is without a leg to stand on. That's true. <laughs> he still has a leg to stand on, though. He's got one. He doesn't have two. But see what I mean? People had fun with this. That's why I'm reading it. Yeah. Them. Randy in Detroit wrote, My Holy Crap, Did You See That Moment Beyond the bob -bicue, was Rick's Debbie Downer moment with Carl in the church. I think Carl is kind of aware the world has gone to hell in a handbasket, and I don't think he needs Captain Obvious to tell him things are still bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love Captain Obvious. I do too. Very, very funny. Michael on the internet writes this, and I'll try to get this correct, Michael. Holy crap moment. Yuck, 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 yuck. Feel sick. Yuck, 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 yuck. Poor Bob. That is all. <laughs> Yuck. I, I think I got the right number of yucks there. Uh, Mike in Panama City, Florida writes, My holy crap, did you see that moment was when Bob kissed Sasha. Here's why. When I first saw it on the Talking Dead sneak peek, that was last week, I knew that something was going to happen to one of them and that one would end up dead or wishing they were. Right. Bob probably. Well, that's, uh, that was that, uh, that quote from, uh, from the Bible. Maybe that's all foreshadowing uh, in that uh, in Revelations, uh, I forget what the exact quote is, but uh, they'll look for death but won't be able to find it. Yep. Well, Bob is probably feeling that right now. Uh, Katie in the UK writes, Hey guys, my holy crap, did you see that moment? Was the disappearance and reappearance of Judith. 
In the beginning of the episode, where the whole group is walking together, no one was holding Judith. A few camera shots later, still nobody was holding Judith. She made her first appearance when Father Gabriel noticed her after the group rescued him. It was a little bit poor that they couldn't show anyone holding her or even showing her in the baby backpack on Tyrese's back. Hmm. I guess they just didn't want to... She needed a break or something. Maybe go have some lunch and she couldn't be in the scene. I guess not. Well, you know, she could have been in a baby backpack somewhere. Try Or maybe, you know, were they, were they carrying, uh, you know, gym bags? Tyrese is a huge dude, right? If, you, if he has a baby on his back and you're shooting him straight from the front, you wouldn't see her. Right? That's true. So yep. maybe maybe she was there. Or maybe the baby's a diva and she wasn't on set that day. Uh, next is Adam in Austin. The mushy, waterlogged zombies were just beautifully yucky. The swollen and drippy skin was a nice touch, and I'm sure the water they were wading through was not all that pleasant to smell. No, and they uh, that reflected in, they had uh, in their eyes when they walked in the, into the room upstairs of the of the zombie pool like they looked like it smelled bad yep it really really did uh and bob made a comment about the smell he said if a sewer could puke it would smell like this (laughs) (laughs) again robert kirkman that's that's his writing right there this whole episode was full of dumb lines like that i thought and i blame i blame kirkman okay uh cindy in uh charleston south carolina her holy crap moment is Michonne and Sasha going into that slimy, putrid zombie pool. I cannot even begin to imagine the zombie-level yeast infection that would result from being waist-deep in that water. Grossest scene yet from The Walking Dead. No comment. I'll move right along. Thank you, Cindy. Sebastian in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you guys uh, noticed that Martin, the guy Tyrese tackled to the ground and beat up, was at the cannibal bonfire. Also... Holy crap, did you see that? Bob's leg. Maybe I should say, holy crap, did you not see that? <laughs> well, it was still there. It was just being gnawed on by a few different people. Let's talk about this for a minute, because it sure did look like Martin, in the hat, was sitting around that campfire when Bob came too. But how is that possible if Tyrese beat him to death in the cabin? Tyrese let him go. That is an interesting turn of events. Tyrese was not actually able to kill the guy, even though he said he was, if indeed that was him. Maybe he punched him a couple of times, started to feel bad about it, and said, get out of here, I'm going to tell everybody I killed you. If you show up up here again, then uh, I'll beat you up and let you go again. (laughs) That's right. You better not come back, or I'm going to punch you in the (laughs) face again, and then make you run away. That's right. Well, but, I mean, wouldn't he at least have some some punch wounds to his face he didn't look like he had any ill effects of being punched by a very large strong human being uh so maybe tyrese was so upset that he punched the cooler a couple of times he punched the floor beside his face a lot just to scare him a lot yeah so go away and don't come back because if you do i'm going to yell and scream and punch inanimate objects and make you go away again the the one thing I'm curious about here is maybe that actually wasn't Martin. Maybe it was just a similar looking dude in a baseball cap, and we think it's him. I it, because if if the, if it is indeed Martin, it says a lot about Tyrese, and we're going to definitely have to get back to that sort of storyline or that mentality of Tyrese and let that play out. If it wasn't Martin, 
then Tyrese is off the hook. He killed the dude, move on, that's it, and this was just another guy. So I don't know. To me, it really looked like him too, and obviously to Sebastian in Pennsylvania, but I can't say 100% for sure that it was him. I'll go back and freeze frame and see, but I don't know at this point. Put a poll on the on Facebook. Oh, is that Martin? Sure. I'll get a screenshot, and we'll we'll see what people think. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good thing you're here to come up with good ideas like that. It's true. Okay. Not to actually do anything, but just, you know, say things. If I send you the image, will you put the poll on Facebook? I can try to remember to maybe do that <laughs> later. If you can figure out what where to go to find Facebook. Facebook is, uh, it's facypages.com. Is that the one? Fancy facey pages. All right. Right. Shell in Melbourne, Australia. When your audience has grown accustomed to the usual gross look of zombies, how do you ramp it up a notch? You make waterlogged zombies. How creepily gross were those fuckers? That dude with the lower half of his face sloughing off. Arrgh. <laughs> That's, yeah, it was pretty gross. Or you set them on fire, as in last season. That's right. Set them on fire, put them in water. Um, What's next? Hurricane zombies? Yeah, no, you're thinking of the other zombie show. <laughs> Is it Why did that happen? Z Nation. No, but it's from the company that did Tornado Sharks, so... Sharknado? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're going to have a Zombnado. Yeah. Um, quick question. Zombaquake. A Zombaquake. Hey, quick question for you. The word sloughing, is it sloughing or sloughing? S-L-O-U-G-H-I-N-G. Sloughing. Okay, perfect. <laughs> James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How bad was the makeup with the waterlogged walkers? Terrible FX. I didn't really think so, to be honest. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say because, you know, really, what is... What does somebody look like when they're uh, rotting and hanging out in a pool of gross water for eight months or a year? Or however long. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching the trailer from Comic-Con and they showed a couple of these zombies in the water in that trailer. And I remember on the podcast making a comment about how it looked a little cheesy. I think they improved it for the episode. It, I thought it looked better in this actual episode. Do you, uh, do you think Greg Nicotero has ever been to the body farm? Do you know what the body farm is? I do not. It is uh, an FBI research lab where, uh, you know when people donate their bodies to science? Yes. Instead of uh, having them be cadavers or, you know, going to medical school or whatever, they take uh, they take some bodies and they put them in this big field, you know, with like various trees and various uh, circumstances, and just let them rot. Really? And then... They study them to see what happens uh, during different, you know, lengths of time to see uh, how uh, a body will look after, say, a year of being out in a field. Because that way, if they come across a body, they can go, yeah, that kind of looks like the one that we documented being a year in a field. So they'll go, okay, that's been here about a year. Or they'll study the different insects and bugs that uh, accumulate. So I'm just wondering if Greg Nicotero has ever done some research. And he's got enough pull in the industry and around the world or in the States to, uh, you know, maybe get a visit to the body farm. Wow. To take a look and see what actual decomposition looks like. That's an, that's a really fascinating idea that they, they actually do this. And I mean, in the name of research, why not? Um, but boy, is that not a place I'd ever want to go. Oh, God. Good Lord, never, ever, 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 ever. Because no. that would, uh, I would, I would be done. I'd be thinking about that for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's that would be horrifying. But I guess maybe Greg Nicotero in the industry. You're right. It's it's for the greater good of what he does. So maybe he could go and uh, investigate some rotting bodies. Man, that's nasty. Yes. 
I saw a documentary on the body farm one time. It was really, really gross. They didn't show anything like like the actual bodies were covered and such, but just talking about it right. was really nasty. Interesting. I've never heard of that. James had one more quickly. He said, uh, also, Daryl invokes Mad Max rules to chase down Beth's kidnappers. Kudos to Common Sense for busting out the taillights. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You don't want any light coming out of the car if you're following another car. Why not yeah. bust out the taillights? Hopefully the car doesn't have uh, running lights. Uh, it looked like an old car. Hopefully, probably not. Um, but you know what? We didn't see it, but he'd be smart enough to bust out those front lights too. Um, uh, JC in NYC. Holy crap. Did you see Michonne reaching for her sword and realizing she didn't have it anymore? I really hope she gets a replacement sword because she is so badass with it. And even though later on she tells Rick, she doesn't miss it. I'm sure she will miss it. Uh, when they come up on a herd passing by. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the uh, the group of people from Terminus has her sword. Oh, God, you're right. I'm sure they have it. They're going to kill somebody, and she's going to take it back and be like, where have you been for the last two days? Yes. <laughs> okay. It, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the sword that cut off Bob's leg. Oh, God, you're probably right. Probably right. She'll get her sword back. Don't worry. Okay, two more. Dylan from Hull, UK. My holy crap moment this week was seeing that Robert Kirkman was credited as the writer for this episode. As such, I knew we were going to be sticking quite close to the comics, which Kirkman has tended to do when writing for the TV show. Um, let's not comment on that too much. However, I don't think Kirkman did a great job writing this episode, unfortunately, <laughs> and hopefully they leave that job to the experienced TV writers from now on. Finally... Chuck from Planet Earth writes, Holy crap, did you see Tyrese and Carol filling up their water bottles at the creek? They were holding the bottle opening towards the flow of water. You're supposed to point the bottle downstream to avoid getting sediment and other objects in the water. Holy crap, that's a good point, but nobody would have noticed that. And they wouldn't, uh, you know, Daryl might know, Carol wouldn't know to do that. Daryl, maybe. Carol, definitely not. Uh, Tyrese, I guess he didn't know. I wouldn't have known. If I was filling up water at a stream, I would have put it in the way the water was going, thinking the water's going to flow into the bottle better. But, well, you know, clearly that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I would do. I would, yeah, I'd probably do the same to thing. To be honest, if I thought about it at all, I'd probably just dip the bottle in and try to replace the air in the bottle with water. And uh, hopefully it worked. Yeah. And, you know, you whatever... Yeah, sediment, you know, at some point uh, their bodies uh, have got to deal with uh, a lot of crap that uh, you and I, Chris, don't have to deal with in our uh, general food and water intake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would probably, they could, they could probably deal with a little bit of sediment. A little bit of sand never hurt anybody. It'll exfoliate the inside of your intestines, and that's always yeah, good. Yeah, every, everybody needs a good intestinal scrape every now and again. <laughs> totally agreed. And on that note, that is going to do it for this podcast. If you want to, uh, well, if you agree or disagree with anything we've said tonight, we'd love to hear from you with your comments, questions, thoughts, feedback, whatever. Um, I was not super impressed with this episode. So uh, let me tell me why I'm wrong or tell me why I'm right. I would be, I would love to hear it. Uh, You can do so by dialing the toll free phone number 1-844-483-9662. That's the secret phone number, everybody. Don't tell anyone. Mm. Don't tell anyone except program it into your phone. Uh, and you can also find us on... No, tw- you, can, you can tell people. Just don't post it on our website. There you go. That's what we don't want. We don't want all those AMC Talking Dead people calling us and 
wasting our phone time. So one eight four 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 eight three zomb Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Or you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We will be back on Wednesday with all the extra feedback about this episode. If you've got anything to say, send it in. And uh, until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Send a text message to Jason Miles. Okay, what do you want to say to Jason Miles? Strangers. Ready to send it? What does my message say? You have no new messages. Help me out here, Siri. I want you to say strangers. Who? Me? Yes. Yes, you. Me? Say fucking strangers. There's no need for profanity. This episode title is Strangers. I'm not sure I understand. Text Chris. Okay. What do you want to say to Chris Firehurst? Strangers. Ready to send it? Cancel. Okay, let me know if there's anything else you need. Text Chris Fire Firehurst. <laughs> Ready to send it? No. <laughs> this is retarded. All right. <laughs> Text Chris Fairhurst. Okay, what do you want to say to Chris Fairhurst? Strangers, 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 period. Ready to send it? Repeat. Your message to Chris Fairhurst says... Strangers, 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 strangers. Ready to send it? Send. (laughs) You can get her to read it to you when you get there, when it gets there. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Oh, it came up on the computer first. (laughs) I'm not recording, so. That's okay, I am. Read my text message from Jason Miles. There are no unread messages from Jason Miles. You didn't get it yet? Read a text message from Jason Miles. There are no unread messages from Jason Miles. Read the last text message from Jason Miles. You have no unread messages from Jason Miles. I opened the stupid thing in the messages app. <laughs> okay, can I mark this as unread somehow? I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. Or... Nope, I can delete it. <clears throat> Come on.
Read today's text message from Jason Miles. There are no unread messages from Jason Miles. All right, send it to me again. All right. Uh, strangers. This is so much harder than I thought it would be. Read the last text message from Jason Miles. There are no unread messages from Jason Miles. Did you not get it? But I just got one and I didn't read it. You have a message from Jason Miles. Strangers. Would you like to reply? Perfect. No, thank you. Go fuck yourself, Sierra. No more messages.